Hello and welcome back, Somerville, to a special edition of the Somerville Advice Givers Podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need for when life happens. This week, or this uh, this special episode, we have our first returning guest to the show, Kelly Sturman. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. So, Kelly, I've been looking forward to this conversation really since I first heard you speak at my Rotary Club months ago mm-hmm. when you were preparing for a mission trip to to where? Nicaragua. So you were planning to go to Nicaragua. Right. Notice the focus on the word planning. <laughs> yeah, planning. Where did y'all actually end up going? We actually ended up going to Uganda, the sister site of uh, One World Health um, hospital facility. What happened that your plan switched from Nicaragua to Uganda? Um, very unfortunate for the people of Nicaragua. Uh, they basically broke out in protest all over the country. There was civil unrest. People were, you know, being shot in the streets. It was just a really unsafe place to be. So civil unrest. Correct. Through a curveball at the 11th hour. Right. And you switched from Nicaragua to Uganda. Right. How, so... Flying to Nicaragua, did you, did you change, when you changed to mm-hmm. Uganda, how do you get a visa for Uganda? Is it just, is it get a visa when you arrive or That's, do you have to get a visa ahead of time? Right. You get it when you arrive. Okay. So you didn't have to scramble no. through special channels to get visas before you landed. Not the visas, no, but okay. there's a lot more immunizations that we had to get oh, at the very last minute. Okay. Uh, yellow fever was one of them and there is a national shortage. So... Everything that happened was really, really God's plan. It wouldn't have happened for any other reason. Mm. So we were able to find the yellow fever. We were able to get all of our flights changed. I mean, it just, it all just fell into place. It was perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. It was huge. Well, the the follow-up from your story, that the questions are going to be different since this is a special episode. So first off, let's talk about what was the most challenging part of the trip? How long were you there? Just... How long were you there first? 10 days. There for 10 days. Right. So going from all, all the mental preparation for going to Nicaragua, mm-hmm. you, maybe you studied some Spanish phrases, and now suddenly you're going to Africa, right. Uganda. Like, I don't think anybody speaks Spanish. Somebody speaks Spanish in Uganda, but not many. <laughs> yeah, right. So what was that like, going to that mental shift? There really wasn't anything that could have prepared us for, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between Nicaragua and Uganda. But there wasn't anything that could have prepared us for what we saw, period. Mm. So I think that was the most challenging part was I was not mentally prepared for how little these people had and how sick they really were. So when you say how little these people had and how sick they were, give us whatever details you're comfortable or able to share. Okay. Because when we think of somebody who has little, we think of somebody who, you know, they could only afford a $30 smartphone. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And they they have a uh, you know they have a beater mm-hmm. for a car, mm-hmm. or you know maybe they ride a moped. <laughs> you know, <laughs> funny they ride a moped here. <laughs> That's funny because they can't um, afford a car. Right. Well, mopeds over there are called boda bodas okay. because they take them from border to border, which they say boda to boda. That's okay. their form of transportation, but only the most wealthy people can afford them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so there are no cars, really. Um, there's the boda bodas, and then they walk everywhere. Everywhere that they go, they walk. 
So they don't, most of them don't have any kind of running water. They live in huts that they made themselves with mud and, you know, the leaves from the trees. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. They, nothing. Smartphones are not a thing there. They're not. One of the funnest things that I did get to do though was show the little children Snapchat. They, it was, it (laughs) was great. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. So. So challenging from the standpoint of there's not a whole lot of material possessions. Right. And when, when you say little possessions, you mean almost nothing. Right. The clothes that they have, whatever they have in their hut that they made themselves out of mud. Right. And leaves, mm-hmm. which probably don't lock. Do they have locks? Some of no, them do? No, no. They, they don't have doors. They don't have windows. Even in the actual homes, mm-hmm. they don't have doors or windows. And that's within the city. So, right. of course, the huts don't have anything. So, the, the city where you went, what was the population of the location where you spent most of the 10 days? So, we were stationed in Masindi. Okay. Um, I don't know the population off the top of my head, but if I were to guess, there's probably 3,000 people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so like a rural town. Right. All right. That's where we stayed. Every day we left and we went to a different site. We right. opened our clinics um, at schools, at orphanages, at churches, and we just set up shop there. We just brought all of our medical supplies back and forth with us to the hotel. So over the course of 10 days, mm-hmm. how many, how many um, patients were y'all able to treat? I think the total count ended up being 996. Oh my goodness. So almost a thousand. It was, it was great. One of the harder parts was these people walked for miles. You know, sometimes they stay the night over in the facility that we were going to be opening up in the next morning. Mm-hmm. And we only had so much time in a day. So a lot of the people we didn't have a chance to see. And that, that was really hard. You know, when you have 800 people in a line and you can only see, 250 a oh day. Oh my goodness. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. This is the only time that these people have any access to healthcare. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty incredible. I'm kind of tearing up thinking about it, but, <laughs> and they were so thankful. They really were. Even if they didn't get a chance to be seen, mm-hmm. they stopped and they thanked us just for being there. Just for being there because y'all are helping the community. Right. Even if they weren't on the receiving end of the help for whatever reason. Exactly. Wow. They're, they're fantastic people. I know that experiencing situations like this was what changed my perspective on the world. Right. When I was in college and after college going on mission trips to northern Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's the type of thing where could you even have, what, was, what were you imagining poverty like before you went? I was imagining, you know, downtown Charleston where they have, um, you know, government facility housing, things of that nature. I didn't think that these people didn't actually have homes. Mm -hmm. Well, they have homes. They're just huts. It's just not something that you're prepared for. Even in the most extreme poverty areas in our country, Mm -hmm. people still have doors that lock. Right. And that's something that we don't even think about mm-hmm. until you've seen it in another country where like, oh, this is a whole nother level. Right. It's not even in the same category. Right. So you saw um, 
almost a thousand people over the course of 10 days. Were you seeing patients every day? Did you all get a break? We did on the very last day. We had our clinic for half a day. Mm -hmm. And the organizers of this trip at the very last minute put together a safari for us. So that was pretty life changing too. So you got to see some of the countryside. We did as well. We did. It was beautiful. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's jump in. Like the next section of Mm. you know debriefing this trip was what was the most rewarding. What's 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 a what's an incident that you remember? Like this was amazing, Mm. and I'm not going to forget this for a very long time. Well, like I said, the Snapchat was pretty great, and I have yes. those kids in my phone, and I look at them every <laughs> once in a while. Um, they they hadn't seen themselves, so for them to just light up and be able to see what they actually look like, because they don't have cameras, they don't oh have mirrors, they had never seen what they look like. So that was, that was really huge. Um, just interacting with the kids, I think, was probably the most rewarding, because these children, again, have nothing. They play with sticks. Yeah. That's that's what they do. But they're the happiest little kids I've ever seen in my life. And it was just, it was so much fun to be with them. What what age range children were you interacting with? I, I would guess they were probably six or seven, most of them. Okay. But as far as patients go, we saw a child that was two weeks old. And unfortunately, we don't think that she made it. Oh, my goodness. It was, she was extremely malnourished. She wouldn't eat. Um that one's really hard. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we saw people that were 97 years old and ended up giving them a walker so they could get around, mm. you know, their little village. So that was that was good, too. That's fantastic. Yeah. So having children surround you, mm-hmm. you pull out your phone and they see themselves for the first time. Right. Yeah. What an amazing experience. It was really cool. Especially thinking about, you know, I walk in the bathroom you know, in the morning, and I see myself in the mirror. Right. I know what I look like. I'm reminded of what I look like. For better or for worse, we're all reminded of what we look like. <laughs> That's so true. You know, every day. <laughs> yes. Every day we walk past mirrors. Mm-hmm. We take pictures. Um, we're on Facebook or social media. We see images of ourselves, right. what we look like. If we didn't have those, it's one of those things that we just can't imagine. Mm-hmm what life would be like if we didn't know what our, what we looked like. I think vanity probably wouldn't exist. And it doesn't over there. So just, you, are, you are who you are. Right. Doesn't matter really what you look like because right. you don't know what you look like. Right. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's intriguing. It is. <laughs> it really is. So most fun was spending time with the children. Mm-hmm. And tell me about the safari, okay, at the very end. Yeah. Um, I... Mind-blowing, I guess is probably the best description. We had open Jeeps, so we were just standing up, and we drove through the National Park. It's a reservation. You know, all of the animals there are protected. We saw giraffes that were within arm's length. We saw monkeys. We saw elephants. We, I mean, you know, just it. there. They're, They're just, just there. out there. They're just doing their it's thing. It's not like you see them at the zoo. Exactly. I mean, I've seen elephants and giraffes and monkeys right. at the Riverbank Zoo up in Columbia. Uh-huh. But I imagine just like, oh, like, they're right there, yep. 10 feet away. Just, just doing their thing. Hanging out. <laughs> yep. Eating leaves. Yep. Wow. It was beautiful. Um, we stayed at a hotel that overlooked the Nile, mm-hmm. and we got to cross the Nile River on a barge. So that was another bucket list for me was to see the Nile, and it is absolutely majestic. It's everything that you would think it is. So a, a geography lesson for, for listeners and for me. Where is Uganda 
in in Africa? Like, is is it in the middle section? You know, there's South Africa. It's close to the southeast border. Okay, close to the southeast mm-hmm. of the continent. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It shares a border with the Congo. Okay. That's which is kind of in the middle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So the Congo is, you know, northwest of it. I'm terrible at geography. That's all right. So I get lost standing still. Um, but yeah, so it's it's right below the Congo and it borders the east side of Lake Victoria. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the climate like while y'all were there? Hot. <laughs> it was extremely hot. The first day that we were there, it only got up to I think eighty two. Okay. The last day that we were there was pushing 100. Wow. Yes. Yes. They okay. don't have as much humidity as we do, okay. but we were really close to the equator. So 100 it, degrees is still hot. It's hot. Even if it's dry. <laughs> it's hot. That's yes. hot. Yes. With no air conditioning. Yeah. There was no air conditioning anywhere. So that was challenging, but. No air conditioning. Nope. Yep. <laughs> we'll put that near the top of the list for challenging. Yes. What was the flight like? How long does it take to get to Uganda? The flight was also challenging. I'm terrified of flying. So for roughly 29 hours there and 36 hours back, we were flying. And where did you, where did you connect through? We went from Atlanta to Amsterdam to Rwanda to Masindi. Atlanta, Amsterdam, Rwanda. So two connecting flights. Right. Well, Charleston to Atlanta right. and then. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Charleston to Atlanta. Wow. 29 hours to get there. Correct. And 36 hours to get back. Right. Wow. Now, here's the question. Have you ever been through international customs? No. Before? No. Walk us through what that was like. You know, arriving in Uganda Mm -hmm. and you're getting off the plane. Right. Totally exhausted. Don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You're lucky if you can find your passport. There were a lot of questions. They wanted to know why we were there. They wanted to know what we were bringing with us. Um, searching our bags. I think they questioned one of my snacks. They thought that, you know, it could be um, a potential weapon, but... <laughs> this is it a was, granola bar. It, it what was. Do you think I'm gonna do? Oh, it was a granola bar. It was okay. a granola bar, but I guess I'm it showed up... I'm going to chew it into the shape of a shiv, <laughs> and I'm going to have a weapon. I guess it showed up weird on their x-ray, so they pulled my bag apart. Um, but, you know, it probably took us 45 minutes, maybe, to get through customs on the way into Uganda. The way home was quite a bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. I really don't know why. I don't, you know, being a United States citizen and being questioned why I'm returning to my country, it was kind of, kind of weird. I'm glad that they're, you know, really curious and they want to make sure that we're safe. But we encountered a gentleman that decided he wanted to go into the vaccination discussion with us and why we were in Africa and why we were trying to help these people and vaccinate them. So that was, that was interesting. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> so, but what did it feel like when you're arriving in Uganda mm-hmm. and realizing just like the reality that the person you're talking to has all the authority and all the power? Like it, this person could say, "Nope." Right. And then what? Right. And then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was it was terrifying and they could probably yeah, see it on my wracking. face. They probably could, um, which is probably why they searched my granola bar. I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's awe-inspiring to think that I was setting foot, you know, in, in another country. Right. Terrifying at the same time. 
there are guards everywhere that you go in Uganda. They're armed and you are not allowed to take pictures of them. You are not allowed to take pictures in a facility that they're standing in. You can immediately be thrown in jail. So those things were, you know, they were scary. But the laws, it, it's, it's not, the law system is not the same way it is over here. It is not. In no. other parts of the world. No. You have to be very cautious. Right. That you don't accidentally break one. Right. We couldn't expose our legs, so there were no shorts. We had to, you know, always be wearing our scrubs, and if we mm-hmm. weren't in scrubs, some other kind of long skirt, et cetera, um, because it's against the law for women to show their legs. Um, that was one big one. But again, you know, we went everywhere with the guards, and I didn't get a chance to take a picture with one, so that was that kind of stunk. But because they were they were great people, they right. really were. So. Just no photos, please. <laughs> exactly. No photos. No, I'm sorry. No, no paparazzi, please. <laughs> yes. So what are the, the, the three big takeaways of things that you learned that you would like to share with listeners? The biggest one is just be thankful for what you have, mm-hmm. really. There's, there really isn't a way to explain to people what they don't have than what we do have and not taking it for granted. Right. Um, the second one, again, just like I said the first time, is get involved and help your community. Because you never know what the people in your community are struggling with until you're exposed to it. And you can't be exposed unless you put yourself out there. Yep. And the last one, I think that, um, again, teach, teach your kids. Pass it down. Pass it down to future generations. Particularly in our country, I feel like there are a lot of next generation children that just expect these things. Mm-hmm. And we need to, you know, we need to tell them, we need to explain to them how blessed they really are, maybe expose them to something like that so they can appreciate the things that we have. When I was in youth ministry several careers ago, (laughs) decades, decades past, it was interesting watching high school students and middle school students mm-hmm. who were just getting to the point where they could empathize right. and like put themselves in somebody else's shoes mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, when we would drive through the ghettos and the slums of Juarez in Mexico, you know, a six-year-old mm-hmm. looks around and it's just, I'm glad this isn't me. Right, right. A 16-year-old looks around like, why right. isn't this me? right. It's heartbreaking. It, it really is. They can is. empathize, but it's the type of thing where, you know, just to, in, in, to put it mildly, my children have no idea what it's like to hold the bunny ears on top of a TV <laughs> on Saturday morning <laughs> so that your that's, favorite cartoon comes in. Right. That's a good one. That's a good growing one. up in Somerville, all the antenna, all the stations are way down in Mount Pleasant in Charleston. Right. And it was kind of fuzzy to get the, my favorite cartoon on Saturday. Right. Which yeah. was the, that Nintendo kid show, which I just loved. <laughs> But it was always super fuzzy. And now they just, you know, Netflix, click, they have the whole season, right. whatever show they want. Yes. As long as the internet connection is working. Right. But that's, that doesn't even compare. No. It just doesn't even compare. No. Nope. So do you think that you will encourage your children to go on um, mission trips or maybe just, maybe just travel trips? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my 16-year-old particularly, mm-hmm. he has a very empathetic heart already. 
And I really feel like he should definitely go with me because I'm planning on making this a year, a yearly trip for myself. Whether or not I go back to Africa or somewhere else, I feel like it's something that just, it's on my heart. So I would love for them to come with me. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So just some recap, right? The three big keys, three big takeaways. One, be thankful. Yes. Something tells me that the next time you're sitting in line at the DMV, you might not complain as much. I don't. <laughs> That's very true. It's I like, used guys, to... we have a DMV. Exactly. Why are y'all complaining? Like, there are places where, you know, mopeds are what rich people drive. That's No, they rent them. Oh, like taxis. Them. Like taxis. Yes. The rich people just take them as taxis. Exactly. They have someone else drive for them. Oh they don't gosh. actually own them. They just hop on the back mm-hmm. of those little 50cc scooters. And... Yes. Yes. Everywhere. Everywhere. Wow. Be thankful. That's, you're so right. Gratitude and thankfulness. Can't over-communicate those things. Right. Get involved in your community. Again, just like we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Get involved. Reach out to the, reach out to your community. Right. And make a difference. Right. I mean, it has to start here. Mm-hmm. We have to help this country and continue to help others. Right. Yeah. Plenty of opportunities at home. Right. Pass it on to your kids. I'm looking forward. I know for me personally, I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be able to encourage my children because my oldest is 10. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a while. Yes. <laughs> but having him have the same experiences I had on mission trips, whether it's building a house, medical service, right. something that is impacting the world for good that's not in the U.S. Right. Because there's no other way to experience it. No, you're you can't. Right. You're right. Poverty here is just, it does not even compare. Right. It's amazing. Okay. Final, final thoughts? Anything? I really, I, I really think that we, we hit the nail on the head with all of this, yeah. you know, just being thankful. And, and also, I want to say thank you to everybody that helped me get there. Definitely, because I couldn't have done it without you guys. So. Thank every, thank all y'all who supported Kelly, both with uh, prayers, thoughts, with finances. Anytime someone goes on a mission trip, it is a it's a joint effort. Definitely for someone to do it. Definitely, absolutely right. Yeah. So, well, Kelly, I'm very grateful. Thank you <laughs> for coming back on the show just to share a little bit of the trip with us, treating. Almost a thousand. We're just going to round up to a thousand. Right. We're just going to call it an accounting error. Okay. A thousand people in 10 days. Right. That's, that's making a difference. I hope so. I hope it helped some of those people. That's making a difference in those people's lives. No doubt about it. And I can tell that you did not come back the same. I am not the same. But you changed for the better. I did. I did. It's Fantastic. good. Fantastic. It's good. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We look forward to hearing exploits of your next... Uh, international adventures when the time comes. Good. And in the meantime, folks, you've been listening to this special edition of the Somerville Advice Givers podcast with our guest for the second time, Kelly Sturman, giving us a report on her trip to Uganda. As always, thank you all for listening. Thank you for your support. Continue making an impact here in Somerville. I'm your host, Jaden Smith, and we'll catch you next time.